electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Claire Odumodi. Today on our podcast, the first interest rate hike from the Fed in more than three years with more to come. And markets rally maybe on hopes the move will cut inflation. I couldn't help thinking about the market being Kevin Bacon. Thank you, sir. May I have another? It made me think of Jim Carrey. So you're saying there's a chance. Frequent big rate hikes might worry investors, but former Federal Reserve Vice Chair Roger Ferguson says, don't let ghosts of Volcker past haunt you. Saying the risk of a recession is gone does not mean that we should bat down the hatches expecting the kinds of things that we've seen in terms of really deep, traumatic moments. Plus, the latest in Ukraine and keeping all the headlines from geopolitics to pop culture straight. The current world, the current simulation we're in right now, there are a lot of things you gotta be careful about. It's Thursday, March 17th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. First up on the podcast today, we have liftoff. For rates, that is. The FOMC raised its policy interest rate by one quarter percentage point. After deliberating for two days, the Federal Reserve's Open Market Committee decided, as widely expected, to raise rates by 25 basis points and is forecast to do so six more times for a total of seven hikes this year. The move is the central bank's opening salvo in its fight against historically high inflation. It's the first time the Fed has raised rates in more than three years and comes at a time when the Fed was in danger of losing credibility in its ability to tackle inflationary pressures. This as consumers grappled with high food and energy prices. After digesting the news, the markets welcomed it. Wednesday saw a rally, with the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 1.5% for the first three-day winning streak in a month. But more news from the conflict between Russia and Ukraine could lead to more volatility. Becky and Joe trying to make sense of two diametrically different events yesterday that weighed heavily. Here's Joe. Think about the world we're living in, in this which I have told you, I now believe very well might be a simulation. It was in addition to Jay Powell, we had President Zelensky talking to to Congress in just rapt attention and standing ovations and, you know, you could, the the video. Being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace. So all these things are happening juxtaposed to the same day that that Jay Powell is. And when it's all said and done, Markets up strongly. And was was the J Powell was that actually more important on the big picture to maybe the financial markets and maybe to us that I mean you wouldn't say it's more important but no, it's certainly it, it looked more important to the markets. Perhaps, we can't ignore either. They're equally. But, but yes, when you listen to President Zelensky yesterday, his appeals yeah. tying it directly to the idea of the same attacks that happened on 9/11, one right here, Pearl Harbor. Um, yeah, he was very deft at tying all of these things together and making us feel like we understand exactly and I think where it worked people are. too. I think that we'll ramp up, you know, I, maybe not the weapons. MiGs, but, but yeah. the weapons. Let's get back to our, uh, this is our purview, I guess. That's the, that's the Fed rate hike uh, and uh, the plan for more. 
forecast for inflation, economic growth. Steve Leisman joins us now with more. Steve, I, I miss the days when we used to, when one word would make a difference. Uh-oh, they took it out. It was in seven straight statements. It's gone. You know, the, 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 the major policy change. Was there anything we saw yesterday that in the tone or body language or anything that, that, uh, that makes you think differently than you felt before? All, all of what happened? I mean, I thought overall, Joe, it was more hawkish than we expected. It was, I don't know, Joe, I, I couldn't help thinking about the market being Kevin Bacon in this, uh, in, in this uh, uh, instance where he said, thank you, sir, may I have another? The, I mean, look, you know, the, the Fed- it, it made me think of Jim Carrey with this, so you're saying there's a chance, right? He's really hawkish, but the market looked at this and thought, <laughs> but you might not raise next time, right? Right. I mean, so a couple explanations I heard were, uh, hey, it could have been worse. And the other explanation I heard was, hey, at least now we know the plan. The Fed um, uh, said it was going to hike at each at successive meetings or essentially laid that out in their forecast. What's important about that from the thank you, sir, may I have another department was the Fed hiked up its outlook for uh, 2023 and 2024 to 2.8%. Um, and that's above, you see there, the right, the long run or the neutral rate. So the Fed is telling you it has to slap on the brakes even harder than it thought it would. So that's what's interesting there. Um, the other thing that, that, that happened, obviously, is uh, Powell said, hey, as soon as May, we could be uh, announcing that we'll be reducing the balance sheet. The trouble with all this, guys, is is it enough? That's what we don't know. Um, and, and Powell also said, uh, let, 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 let's hear Powell here. He said that um, if inflation doesn't come down as fast as we expect, we may go faster. We'll be looking at, at, the, at the data as they come in. We'll be looking to see whether the data show expected improvement on inflation. We'll be looking at the inflation outlook and making a judgment. And we'll be going, you know, each meeting is a live meeting. And if, if we conclude that it would be appropriate to raise interest rates more quickly, then we'll do so. I mean, the upside of all this was Powell saying he had strong job gains and healthy economic growth. It meant the economy was in pretty good shape to withstand these rate hikes. But the issue, of course, is whether even the more hawkish forecast from the Fed is going to be enough to bring inflation under control. And the Fed kind of admits, Joe, that it isn't. I mean, in that its forecast for inflation is still above target, even while it raises rates above neutral. Do you like... uh when we coin terms, I mean, asymmetric risk is a good one, and you, you know, for good po- cocktail party fare too. But uh, the the risk for the Fed, it's not asymmetric right now. It, it, they could err either way. Is it always like that? Do you think, Steve? I mean, I, I think they could go too fast or go too slow. Or uh, I guess that's inherent in worries about stagflation. Is is you know you're worried about inflation, but you're worried about slowing down uh, the economy at the same time. So it just that's when I said that did Jay out of withdraw just say look forget this this is someone else's problem but he's not going to <laughs> joe i could imagine there being a cocktail party and and people someone are saying all, asymmetric all over the risk. place and then yeah. somebody says oh he's talking about asymmetric risk let's over go here. over there vis-a-vis the fed yeah vis-a-vis the fed i do remember joe uh when was it like in 2000 when the nasdaq bubble uh, w- was going on before that that uh when I introduced myself as a reporter for the Wall Street Journal, people were like, oh, let's hear what he has to say. It was kind of interesting. That was the one shining social moment for me and my job. But <laughs> you remember, oh, my God. It's been a long time um, since. It's been a long time. Oh, but listen, uh, look, Joe, it is true. The Fed is kind of paid to be in a box. You know, Powell's job should never be easy in the sense that they're always trying to balance these two things that are happening. Um I think what Powell is saying here is we're going to do 
faster than we've done before, but maybe not as fast as we think we need to go, at least at the moment, because you do have this uncertainty of the war, which the Fed talked about, which generally seems to be um, uh, providing higher prices to the economy. So I, I think he's going to he's laid it out. And if you look at the probabilities, they're sure about the first four. They're pretty sure about the next three after that this year uh, or the next so the next six total. Um, I'm going to go real fast. Do you remember Kevin Bacon's name? In, 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 I looked it up. I looked it up yesterday because I tweeted oh. out Chip Diller. But I, I, I tweeted it out yesterday. One of my conservative Twitter friends was going back on the View. She said, and that's when I tweeted out, "Really? Thank you, sir. May I have another?" And I put Kevin Bacon. Chip. Good, it's yeah. like, why would you do that? Why would you go into that? Uh, did you do that in context? Did you? Joe, did you do that also in context of, of, of the Fed yesterday? Is that the no, same thing? No, it had nothing to do with No, no. You did it for the Fed. Oh, okay. I did it in terms of showing up in that, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, uh, going on there. Why, why would you do it? I, I don't know. Um, thanks, Steve Leesman. And, and I looked it up, and it was Chip Diller. And I put, Animal House is kind of canceled, Diller. Steve. You, yeah, you know Animal House is kind of, and I wondered. Is it why? What, what happened? To, there's just a lot of other know, stuff in there that's really bad. We were having in a uh, in, in the band the other day, Joe. We, we were having a conversation about all the songs that you probably can't sing these days. Oh, I know. You know? Uh, I know. You, you, it's a tough, they just don't work. I mean, the, they, the they, current world, the current simulation <laughs> we're in right now, there are a lot of things you got to be good. careful about. We, oh, we're you not going to talk we, we're, 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 Talk Kremlin. Oh, we got to talk Kremlin? Okay, yeah, go ahead. We're, no, go we're going to talk, talk Kremlin now. Songs we can't talk about next time. Breaking news. Right now we do have some breaking news from Russia that appears to be weighing on stocks. Here we go. The Kremlin just out with commentary after President Biden called Vladimir Putin a war criminal yesterday. After everything we've seen, are you ready to call Putin a war criminal? You asked me whether I would call Putin a war criminal, sir. Oh, I, war criminal? I think he is a war criminal. The Kremlin saying Putin is very wise and cultured internationally. He's an international figure. He called Biden's comments unforgivable. The Kremlin also saying Russia would not take heed of the world court's demand that Russia halt military operations in Ukraine. Russia said its conditions for a peace deal are clear and accused Ukraine of dragging out negotiations. <laughs> That's rich. Uh, the Dow right now down by about 184 points. You can see this kind of watch, watching what, we're, what what's happening. They were roughly flat about an hour ago, falling after the Kremlin's comments. And these are similar things we saw yesterday when it looked uh, yesterday morning on the show. We heard some comments that maybe sounded like they were more interested in reaching a peace deal. You did see futures rise on that news. You're going to see this happen um, because this is pretty. Uh, well, the whole place, situation. the whole place is one big Baghdad, Bob. I mean, that's just ludicrous. And, and if we were ever under any illusions that the propaganda machine that we remember from the Soviet Union, I mean, it, it was the stuff they would say with a straight face. It's no, it hasn't changed one iota. Well, it hasn't changed one iota. an interesting person to comment on this. He was right. telling us the other day, someone who lived there as the Moscow bureau chief right. of the Wall Street Journal, that at, when he was there, and this is going back a while, uh, more than 20 years, when he was there, the Russian people didn't believe anything they saw right. on television. I mean, literally. Was saying that the opposite was probably true. They, they'll look straight in, at you and say left is right and, and up is down. And, you know, the, the, the pregnant lady didn't die in the hospital for, but that's not a war crime. What is a war crime then? I, I thought it was, I was, it almost looked like the president, did you see he turned around and yeah, came he back. Around and came back. He turned At around and he came said, back. I'm not, you know, no, no, not a war crime. And then he turned around because he thought about it. And that's what's in his heart. He says, yes, yeah. what's happening here is actually. And that's, it, it, he said it, it looks like, I think, is yes, what he, he said. 
He used um, the word looks, but... They haven't been official. There's a ways that you have to investigate all of these things to go through it, but I, I think he did come back and say what he, what he thinks, at least from what he's seeing. I will say, listening to the rhetoric, the concerning part is, is it makes it so much more complicated to reach any sort of a peace settlement when the rhetoric ramps up on either side, and I think that is you the see, difficulty. Uh, it, 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 what's scary is that his ground troops are suffering some serious setbacks and, and casualties and, and everything else. It leaves him cornered with weapons that he that, that Ukraine does not have, that he does have, that are, if he goes there, then it's it's really, if he there ramps it up to either chemical or, or, or a small nuclear device or something just to, and, and terrorizing the civilian population is how you can win wars, and he knows that too. And, and, but if that's, then what is a war crime? Do we need a, a, a primer? No, but the problem is these, these are unforgivable actions. All of them, yeah. All of them are unforgivable actions, but how do you negotiate a peace settlement in, in the midst of that? And How do you trust the other side when it's, you know, if their lips move, they're, they're lying, basically. Well, that's not the worst of what they've done. Right. You know, the lying is but the how do you, but, but how do you, if you're negotiating a settlement, how do you have any confidence? But does it surprise you? Is there anything we've heard from the, you know, oh, we're removing troops from the border, you know, back in February, right. where we are right now? And, the, and we knew the false flags were coming and everything else. And, and, and they're still selling that, I think, to the, uh, the people in Russia that we're just going in to protect the, the genocide that we were seeing in those breakaway um, Region. regions. Next on SquawkPod, the Fed announcing the first rate hike in three years and signaling as many as six more in 2022. We're breaking down the decision with former Vice Chairman of the Federal Reserve, Roger Ferguson. They believe getting back to a neutral level over time, over three years or four, will get inflation under control. What they expect to do is actually pretty neutral, pretty modest. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. So, the Federal Reserve's move was its most aggressive by the central bank in about 15 years. A hike to the key interest rate and a signal of six more increases before the end of the year. A 2% interest rate by year's end will put us just above the level before the pandemic hit two years ago. The White House has suggested interest rates would need to rise to combat the sharp rise in inflation. Yesterday, Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked whether the rate hike was appropriate and could prevent a recession. 
I would note that while they, uh, we respect the independence of the Federal Reserve, as you of course, uh, as we have said many times, um, the President has also said in the past that he recognizes uh, not only their independence, but that it is appropriate and necessary for the Federal Reserve to recalibrate recalibrate their, that, their support to maintain stable prices, and obviously they made an announcement today. Last night, the Senate finally advanced the renomination of Fed Chair Jay Powell and the nomination of Lael Brainard as Vice Chair. We meet in executive session this evening to consider... I move to vote on the nomination of Dr. Powell, the clerk will call the roll. Nominations hereby are reported favorably to the full Senate. Those appointments had been stalled in recent weeks until President Biden's choice for the top regulator, Sarah Bloom Raskin, withdrew from consideration. Raskin was facing significant opposition from Senate Republicans. So who gets the job now? We got word just this morning that there are a few names circulating, including our next guest. Roger Ferguson is the recently retired CEO of TIAA and a former Fed vice chair. He's a distinguished fellow. That's like the greatest title. You know what I mean? Um, it, it's a title. In general, you are a distinguished fellow, but you actually are a distinguished fellow at, at the Council on Foreign Relations. So it's pretty cool when, it, when it's official, I think. Uh, former CEO, that's never, do you, would you call me a the probably No. No. Probably, no. He didn't take long to think about that, Roger. Former CEO of uh, TIAA, former vice chairman of the Federal Reserve, as well as a CNBC contributor. The other day when you were on, uh, Roger, and it's good to see, as I said again, you said that the most important thing would be what, what we could uh, surmise from the plots after, uh, after Chair Powell, um, after the action, and after um, you know, some of the comments. Basically what you thought? Basically what I thought, um, and frankly what the market thought. So 25 basis points, though there had been this one dis had been one descent for 50, but straight down the middle. Um, a little more hawkish in the sense of uh, six more meetings this year, six more moves. Not totally unexpected, but a little stronger um, than perhaps some unexpected. What I did find very interesting, and also clearly a focus on uncertainties, um, but then Chairman Powell was clear in the in the post meeting conference that um, teleconference that he actually sees the economy strong enough to withstand all these pressures and shocks, which I think helped equities. The one thing I find very interesting is in the dot plots, right, where the meeting apparently you know we'll do whatever it takes to get inflation under control. What they actually are expecting to do, based on the dot plots, is basically get interest rates back to sort of a neutral level uh, that is neither restrictive nor accommodative. They clearly don't want to risk, you know, going into inflation. And they believe getting back to a neutral level over time, over three years or four, will get inflation under control. So while talking, you know, uh, do anything it takes, what they expect to do is actually, you know, pretty neutral, pretty modest. And, and I think that's, uh, we'll see how that plays out for them. Are you surprised, Roger, or, or can you explain how the terminal rate that we're seeing, that's it, I don't know what it is eventually, two or three, let's say, how historically that compares to what we used to, what we were used to? Is it after the financial crisis and all that accommodation and staying at zero after the pandemic? So are we just permanently at this, the entire curve has moved way to the left and it's going to stay there even with inflation? higher than it was when rates were much higher. Well, so that's one of the major uh, uh, questions in the, in the business of central banking, but more broadly, 
what you're talking about is, is the neutral rate and has, in fact, um, in economic terms, this thing called R-star come down because of fundamental changes in the economy. So what are those changes? One is an aging population. People tend to think uh, those kinds of economies have a lower interest rate necessary to, to maintain balance. Secondly, uh, perhaps growth potential might be uh, somewhat lower. Um, and so there are those, those are the questions that I think are the fundamental ones. On the flip side though, Joe, we are seeing an age of deglobalization, decoupling. Most people think that inflation was kept under control for the last 15 or 20 plus years because of globalization. So there's a flip side angle or anxiety, which is, are we gonna be more prone to inflation, therefore requiring higher interest rates uh, because we're seeing sort of decoupling um, uh, and jury's out as to which way, which way it goes, but you put your finger on something that's really fascinating. And the point I made earlier, they are expecting to get inflation gradually back to 2% while only raising rates to what basically looks like a pretty low neutral rate, uh, to your point. Hey, Roger, we, we spoke with Vince Reinhardt earlier this morning. He's a pretty smart guy, too, uh, formerly on the Fed uh, as an economist there. Um, he said the odds of recession have gone up substantially, maybe a third to 40 percent because of the actions that have taken place in Ukraine, the higher commodities prices coming out of that. Yes, I think recession risks are elevated, uh, probably on the order of a third to 40 percent coming into next year. What do you think? I'd agree with Vincent on that. Um, you know, we didn't talk about it before, but I also think the odds of inflation have gone up. And I would not dispute a 30 to 40 percent um, story there for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is um, the, there are always some odds of inflation anyway. Uh, Second, you said the, odds of, of recession, not I'm sorry, just not to confuse. Odds of recession. Uh, odds of recession. Yeah. Got it. OK. Um, I would I think I have to agree with that as well. Remember yesterday I said the risks on both sides have gone up. Um, and that's an example of what we're talking about. So talk about odds of inflation, odds of recession, um, absolutely also the same. Uh, and it is because of the uncertainty that's come into play. Frankly, also, we see a number of central banks moving uh, to tighten. Uh, and so it's not just the U.S., but uh, the Bank of England as well. We'll see what the ECB does. Um, and, you know, though the uh, uh, consumer looks like they're in pretty good shape, the most, re most recent print vis-a-vis -vis, uh, retail sales was a little bit disappointing. Uh, and so I do think, as I said yesterday, risks on both sides have gone up. So odds of recession, 30 to 40%, I wouldn't strongly disagree with Vincent on that one, wow, just as that, we see inflation that's, often That's a little scary, up. and both of you have said that pretty calmly. Uh, you know, odds of a recession going up 30 to 40%, it's, it, it seems pretty extreme, but maybe we should talk about what kind of recession. Recession, in, in a technical sense, is just two, two quarters of decline in, in GDP. So it, it doesn't necessarily mean a recession like we've lived through recently in 2008, right. 2001. Uh, you're saying exactly the right thing, Becky. So let's not uh, create a sense that we're going back into you know, the deep, sharp recession that we saw most recently. Not that we're going to a recession, but we're talking about the odds of a recession. Secondly, you know, the Fed does have uh, the ability, as we said yesterday, and they said in their statement, to make decisions case by case, meeting by meeting. And the statement was very balanced on that, uh, which is you know, prepared to be nimble. They didn't use those exact words, but prepared to be nimble either way. Uh, and the third thing to recognize when this odds of recession, 
as I said earlier, the Fed does not want to or feel it needs to engineer a recession. This is not Paul Volcker redux. Um, and so they're going to avoid uh, having that 30 to 40 percent become a reality. But we should be clear, as we said yesterday, the risk on both sides have gone up. To your point, to say that the risk of a recession has gone up does not mean that we should batten down the hatches expecting the kinds of things uh, that we've seen in terms of really deep, traumatic moments. Um, and the Fed does not want that to occur. Roger, you made those great demo points you made about why inflation uh, could stay lower, why, why, ter- why the terminal rate is lower. But inflation still is up there. So they, 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 if, if it's supposed to be under control, something's amiss. And that makes me think maybe you believe in the, the notion that maybe th- this won't be as long-lasting or as, as systemic as some of the periods in the past where we really got in trouble. So maybe this is an outlier based on supply chain, the war, uh, uh, the reopening during the pandemic. And so maybe it, we're, we're not that out of whack in terms of rates. Well, look, I, I, I think that is what the Fed believes and is obvious. And they said in their first state, first part of the statement, I said it yesterday as well, three things driving inflation. One of them, um, oil prices, but we've seen how volatile those are and how subject they are to, to headlines. Um, and so if this war stops anytime soon, uh, oil markets return to some version of normal over time, that one, that risk will go away. Supply chain, I would say I'm a bit more worried about that one being sticky because we see with the possibility of China uh, reclosing again, that the supply chain, getting that right, getting the global economy to open in a synchronized way after the COVID shutdown has proven to be perhaps more difficult than anyone had imagined. Um, And so the word transitory clearly doesn't fit there. And then we are seeing, um, and the statement talked about it, a broadening of uh, inflation behaviors. The thing that I think helps the Fed now, helps all of us, and is quite different from the 1970s, is inflation expectations, while they're still a little bit elevated, um, are within the range of what the Fed is hoping for. And so we don't have yet a society where the expectation is you know, this, this wage price ratchet. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons I believe that Chairman Powell was very clear uh, and sounding, you know, we will do whatever it takes, because I do think he wants to keep inflation expectations contained, even as they battle uh, the kinds of inflations that we're dealing with coming from these three separate and very disparate uh, um, uh, forces. Roger, thanks. Good, good to have you on um, on today. And, and I'm a sp- I can aspire. I can try, sure. the distinguished <laughs> fellow. It's just a, I don't know. Seems like a, <laughs> it's a stress. It's just, you know, it seems like a really high bar, um, Roger. It's, uh, doesn't it? Yeah. You know how we've just talked about how age does not equi- equate to actually being a man? Clearly. You know how that... <laughs> Maturity levels. I tell that to people all the time. I go, you know, I've waited and waited and waited, and it just kind of never happened. Okay. It's because we have fun. It is. Cheese will be next. Coming up, Netflix and guilt? A warning for account holders sharing passwords. You know you're out there. I don't know why anyone would want to share this thing anyway. I mean, you can't just low-budget these series all the time. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash methane. Stand back here by. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square, I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. If you share your Netflix password, you better listen up. The company said it is testing a new fee for account holders who want to share their service with people who live outside their households. Two new test features are rolling out in Chile, Costa Rica, and Peru. They're called Extra Member and Profile Transfer. Extra Member is for people who want to pay to add an account for up to two people they don't live with for a fee of less than $3. The profile transfer option is a simplified way to split off the accounts of freeloaders without losing viewing history and save shows in an effort to try and encourage password borrowers to sign up for their own subscriptions. Now, this is where it gets interesting. How do they figure it out? We were just having this discussion. How do they know that it's not you traveling or at a vacation home or like if you're a college kid, I guess you have to pay for the college kid if they're away seven months. To do it to all your customers, it seems like you'd have to have some pretty fancy AI, doesn't it? Right. Would you have to know, okay, that's a college town. It's probably not. I mean, how could you? I, I, or they're uh, there a lot. Maybe it's the, a vacation you, home. But what if you go to your, you know. You need to know a lot about your customer. You need to right. delve into exactly what's going on. And then you need on. to get mean and start cutting them off. If, right. we know you're, if we know you are sharing with people who aren't in your household, we're just going to, what, delete your account? Uh, would you ask when you sign up, would they say, where else are you going to be using this from when it's you? We need a list of places that are going to be. And then how do they know that you're not just listing all the people you're sharing passwords I with? I know. I don't, I, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. For I, I mean, they keep ramping this up and saying these things. I, they probably want people to do the right thing and not cheat or you uh. know, share with people who aren't in their household. But I can think of a lot of situations where you would naturally be using it somewhere else uh-huh. and not cheating. Well, I went on Netflix yesterday, and unless you get something I feel like watching, um, I don't know why anyone would want to share this thing anyway. <laughs> Let's develop a couple of new, new things that are worth watching. I mean, you can't just low-budget these series all the time. The Which subtitle, one are you about? I don't know. I try to watch them all, and it's like, oh, it's about 10. You know, it's, it's like, I got, oh, my God, look, there's three seasons. You know what I got This is awesome. And, and it's, oh, look, I'm 98%. For, no, and I, I try to watch it, and it sucks, you know and it's horrible. I into it, and it's really bad, Speak, I still got yeah. sucked into it. Which one? There's a Korean zombie series. Well, it's, if there's a zombie, unfortunately, it's hitting a little too close to home, post-apocalyptic type stuff. No, but There's a Korean zombie series, and it's, it's really not good, but I really can't stop watching it. We went from the pandemic to nuclear you know, apocalypse, possibly. Yeah. So the, these, you know, these... Oh, it was a bunch of high school kids. Yeah? Yeah. It's, pretty- it's a series? Yeah. Forget the name of it. I've got to look it up. All right. Maybe I'll try that. I look for document. I'm looking for anything. I tried to watch that Playboy uh, 
And I just there's too. Why don't you expand? So it's too a much. Uh, too much Hefner. It's too a much Hefner for me. Uh, it, but but in the he died just in time. That's what I'll say because in hindsight, it doesn't look a whole lot different from from a lot of these from like Harvey or yeah. yeah. That's the pod for today. Thanks for tuning in this St. Patrick's Day. I could imagine there being a cocktail party and someone saying asymmetric risk. Oh, he's talking about asymmetric risk. Let's go over there and hear what that guy. And thanks for fitting in our Fed speak between your Guinness and soda bread. Squawk Box is hosted with festive spirit always by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern and follow Squawk Pod, available for download on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us again tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.